Welcome, everybody, once again to the Why God Why podcast. My name is John Amayo, and right alongside me here, I have uh, my co-host, Peter Englert. Hello, hello, as they would say in the podcast world. Yes, I guess that is how they say it. That's how we say it anyway. And uh, welcome to today's episode, episode number three of season one, and you are all in for a treat today. Not only are you in for a treat because of our guest, I think the topic today is a especially needed in our society. We just need to talk about this. It's something that I've dealt with in my own life, and I know many of you have dealt with in your life as well. Here's the question of the day. Why, God, why am I so anxious? That's what we're talking about. And I could not be more excited to have our guest on here today that we have, Kathy Elliott. Peter, you want to tell us a little bit about Kathy? I think you might know a little bit about her. Well, um, not every podcast host has the opportunity to interview their mother-in-law, but um, Kathy Elliott comes with over 30 years of mental health experience. She started a local Rochester, New York practice, and now she's out on her own um, in her uh, own practice, Kathy Elliott Counseling. So we are talking to someone that has spent thousands upon thousands of hours talking with people about um, about anxiety and counseling them. And I think in this episode, you'll get a little bit of insight, not only how to deal with your counseling or how to deal with your anxiety, I should say, but also why it's so important wherever you are in your spiritual journey to just walk with a counselor through this. Yeah, you all are going to love this. It was like a mini therapy session for me. I hope it is for you as well. Let's get right into it. Welcome to the Why God Why podcast brought to you by Browncroft Community Church. My name is Harry Gibbs. I'm a member at Browncroft and I'm joined by my fellow hosts, Peter Engler, Director of Adult Ministries at Browncroft and John Amayo, New York State Crew Director. Today's topic is Why God Why Am I So Anxious? Before we welcome in today's guest, let's take a moment to summarize what we mean when we ask this question, guys. Well, Harry, uh, I think this is maybe one of the episodes that I've been looking forward to the most because I think of how pertinent it is in our society right now. I mean, the idea of anxiety is so prevalent, uh, I think, all around, but particularly I work with college students and on college campuses now, anxiety is through the roof in terms of the levels that people are experiencing it. Um, I was talking with a director of one of the counseling centers in one of the local colleges recently, and he was telling me that they can't basically have enough uh, room for the students who are requesting access to their services right now because so many students are experiencing anxiety that, that they have to wait weeks in order to get into the counseling center. And that's not just on one campus, that's actually happening all across the country. So I'm excited to talk about this concept because it's in an area of professional area that I work in, but also I'm excited to talk about this topic because it's also personal to me. I I didn't realize, I don't think, how much I actually struggled with anxiety until about four or five years ago. And I just knew something was off underneath the surface of my life. And I went to a therapist at that point and he started asking me some questions. John, well, is this true of your life? Is this true of your life? Is this true? 
And I would go, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he said, oh, okay. So we're dealing with anxiety. And I was sitting there like, wow, holy cow. I, I didn't know that I was struggling with anxiety. And once he gave those words to me, it was like, okay, now I know what I have to work with here. And really, it's been a journey for me for the last several years to work through that and to do that in a healthy way. And I've realized it's not easy, um, but that's why I'm looking forward to this conversation because I think so many other people are experiencing anxiety too, and they don't know how to get through it. Um, Peter, how, how about you? What, what's your perspective on this? Yeah, you know, I think, John, the big thing I think about is Christians at times, we throw out these cliches that everybody should know what they mean, but they really don't. So how many times have you heard, well, you just got to let go and let God. Um, And also sometimes Christians have done a terrible job of really working with therapy and psychology. And in, in a lot of ways, which we'll get to in the conversation, psychology and theology or psychology and following Jesus don't have to be at odds with each other. And so I think with anxiety, you know, as you and I were talking about before, you know, before we even started recording, you know, on one hand, anxiety now, it's more prevalent, like we're talking about it. But on the same token, it's also, uh, it's still in the background. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, you just said you deal with anxiety. Harry, do you deal with anxiety? Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I deal with anxiety. You know, um, you know, all three of us, we've shared our journeys about going to see counselors. It's still a weird thing to bring up. And knowing, you know, our audience, I think it's important for us to just, what does it look like to healthily engage this? And especially, I think Jesus has some important things to say about anxiety to help us. Mm, agreed. And I am so excited to have our guest here with us today, because in my mind, she's one of the premier uh, counselors in all of the city of Rochester. At least, you know, I have given her name out to to millions of people, not millions of people. All right. That might be a slight hyperbole, but many people, uh, because I've seen the work that she's done in people's lives. And I know that, P- Peter, maybe you have a special relationship with our guest today as well. Um, well. Well, she's my number two favorite counselor. Okay. That's, so that's my, not bad. My number one favorite counselor is my wife, Robin. So, okay. Yeah. Um, so Kathy Elliott is my mother-in-law, but more than that, she's been serving the Rochester community in mental health for over uh, 35 years. And um, she started her own practice, recently went out on her own. But before that, uh, she actually uh, had a nonprofit organization for that. And so just think very highly of my mother-in-law and, uh, we're so glad to have you here. Kathy, welcome. Thank you, gentlemen. Um, Maybe I should be anxious after all that introduction. (laughs) Yes. Maybe you are anxious being in our presence. I don't know. I, yeah. But this is a very pertinent topic. You're absolutely right. Uh, It's rampant and it's age old. I know we want to talk about how it's different now than maybe it was a few years ago, Probably the manifestation actually physically is very much the same, but there's so many more uncertainties and so many more triggers for this in the present that I think it's worth looking at the contemporary uh, generation and 20s and 30s and all the extra pressures that are on uh, in this, this particular time. 
Yeah. So you're you're talking about this isn't just a new thing. This is something that has happened for a long, long time. People have experienced anxiety. Can you give us a base kind of definition? It doesn't have to be exactly technical, uh, whatever. How would you define anxiety? Maybe we can start there so that people listening in can go, okay, maybe this is me. Maybe this isn't me. Well, we could start with the word nervous, but then we want to build on that. Uh, we can be nervous without being highly anxious, but anxiety is really uh, a, an apprehension that uh, something's going to happen. I'm not certain what's going to happen. I don't know what to do about it. And even as I start to say those words, I can feel how momentum builds when we start to think, I don't know what to do, and I don't know how this is going to turn out, I don't know where it's going to go. So that feeling that we get when we're uncertain and we don't know how to solve something, you know, that's anxiety. That can become overwhelming, and so we can't even think. When it gets to be uh, extreme, our brain really shuts down, and then we feel like we're really lost. That's almost panic at that point. And anxiety really is a mental game that we play with ourselves, right? It is. Uh, it's mental. It has physical manifestations, and it helps. I was thinking when you were talking about your own experience, once you got the label of anxiety, you began to understand, oh, this is something I can work with. It became tangible. Uh, but it is a mental game, and I like to define it sometimes as two opposing things. Neither You can't have both of them. You know, I want to be successful, but I don't feel like I have the money to go to college and or I don't have the brains to do that, so I don't know what to do. That can create start to create anxiety. Or maybe I'm in college and I don't know what I want to do, so I'm trying different things and then I feel like I'm wasting time and then we start to spin our wheels and sometimes, you know, as that grows, we would say that's anxiety, that's apprehension. Like I don't know how to solve this issue. You know, one of the words that just, you know, kind of backed me up, Kathy, was the word trigger. And, you know, you were just in what you just said there, you were just kind of hinting at some of that. But, you know, for our listeners today to kind of normalize this conversation, you know, what are triggers today that you've encountered that are different from 20, 30 years ago? You know, just because, you know, I'm guessing some of our listeners, they're like asking, Am I really anxious or not? But I think all of us would agree here today. There's something that's more anxious about this time um, than ever before. What, what are some of the triggers you see? Uh, performance, uh, the, the the need to perform, and so performance might, itself might not, might not be the trigger, but the the pressure, the tremendous pressure. If I'm going to get ahead, if I'm going to be attractive enough. If I'm as good as the other people that I'm seeing on social media, uh, so certainly the pressure to to perform will trigger anxiety. Um, physically, uh, we want to be in good health. We want to be attractive. We want to uh, be good parents, uh, good Christians, and all of those things. But we feel inept. Sometimes um, I just don't feel like I have what it takes. And so, again, we start to spin in our mind about how I can become what I need to. Um, and I don't have the resources. Speaking of resources, another trigger. Um, finances. You know, um, 
well, can I earn enough money? Do I don't have any money now? How can I um, have a productive life? How can I um, uh, date? How can I pay for college? I don't want all this debt. And we began to think even that becomes a trigger. Every Almost everything we do in terms of trying to get ahead is going to cost money. And yet that builds often on our debt. So finances, uh, social pressure, you know, uh, can I fit in the right crowd? You know, am I the, as good a Christian as I need to be at church? Um, I recognized as a leader um, all of those questions that we have about our own capability, about our own ability to support ourselves, uh, can become triggers if we don't know how to manage that feeling of apprehension. You know, we can get to that a little bit later. But uh, you know, if we don't know. What to do with those questions, it starts to spin us, you know, right out of control sometimes. You know, one of the things I'm curious to hear from you um, is, you know, Christianity has had a weird relationship with mental health therapy and also a weird relationship with anxiety, you know. And, you know, John and I will we'll probably speak to a little bit more of the Bible side, but I'd really like to hear from you because I'm sure, you know, some of our listeners, whether they grew up in a Christian church or they've heard the church say some things, what do you think has been, you know, we'll start with both the positive and the negative. What are some great messages that Christianity and psychology have given towards anxiety? And maybe starting off with what are some negative and almost damaging messages that you've encountered, you know, in your experience of therapy? Well, for one, over the years, until more recently, um, psychology was seen as an enemy. And so to go to a counselor, which is my life's work, you know, was really to be uh, a bad Christian or you don't need that. So I think the, the message that the theology of the Bible uh, was pure and psychology was wrong and evil, you know, that certainly, I think, has, has had a, an effect on people avoiding identifying anxiety as a condition. You know, I don't want to put a label on this because I'm not supposed to worry, be anxious for nothing. You know, I, uh, if I'm a good enough person or Christian, then I'm not going to be worried. So I think that the message that those were enemies was um, a problem. I'm thinking of when I taught a lay counselor class, we used a book by Larry Crabb called Effective Biblical Counseling. And I loved what he said in that book about uh, put all of psychology through the grid of scripture and whatever passes is very acceptable. And I think a lot of psychology is a study of the brain and how the brain works, uh, nerves and pressures, and uh, that's all very helpful for people to understand. And I think, John, when you said you understood with the label what that was, your anxiety went down because now I have a path forward. So I think, I think well-meaning people who said just God, just Scripture, uh, don't go to that evil stuff, really did a disservice. Um, I think on the other side, Scripture says God loves us. Uh, scripture and Christianity and our faith gives us purpose. And purpose is essential for anyone to be grounded and and have uh, a sense of well-being. We need to know their life 
matters. And certainly having a faith, believing in Christ, uh, sharing our faith with others, living out Christ-likeness, that's purpose. And that's what really gives us a solid core, and it actually is very grounding for us, you know, if we if we have a bent toward anxiety, you know, that's going to be something we can stand on and and hang on to. That God loves me; He has a purpose for me. That's so good, Kathy. That's really, really foundational stuff. I think for all of us to experience, and and really good for you to to give that perspective for us. You know, as I think of how I've struggled with anxiety, and as I've come to grips with that in my life. I think one of the things that I've, as you were talking about, you know, internalizing the fact that, okay, I struggle with this. It does take a little bit of the power away. Um, but I think there's a sense in which I, I, I can easily return to it and not, not realize that it's actually there. A helpful illustration that, that, um, my current therapist uh, has has helped help give me is that you know sometimes anxiety will always be present with me and that's not necessarily a bad thing that's just it's it is what it is but is anxiety in the driver's seat or am i in the driver's seat um that to me has been really helpful kind of as a paradigm to go, is anxiety in the driver's seat or am I in the driver's seat right now? Okay. I can acknowledge that you're there. That's cool. Um, but are, but am I letting you control for people out there who, who might be feeling like, Hey, anxiety is in the driver's seat right now in my life. What are some of the things that they can do to go? Wow. Okay. Let me, let me maybe, Put this in the passenger seat for a for a second or two, um, you know. At is least this, move it, toward that. Is this your free therapy? This session? This is my free therapy <laughs> session. This is this is why I have Kathy here. This is exactly it. This is the whole reason why I signed up for this podcast was just so that I could have Kathy Elliott give but me. But you've already answered your question. Okay, because, good. <laughs> because just the focus focusing on something positive or a different direction than the anxiety is one of the key ways of managing it. And by saying that's in the passenger seat, I'm here. You've already reframed the anxiety into a way that's more manageable. We all have anxiety to some extent, and it's really a matter of how do we manage that? How do we minimize that? We don't want to take it away totally because some anxiety uh, revs us up for preparation and, and gives us energy and um, a willingness to go ahead with a project, you know, or deliver this podcast or whatever it might be. So a little bit of anxiety sometimes is really good for preparation. When it takes over, though, and is in the driver's seat, it can be debilitating. So one of the things you're doing is reframing. Uh, I think uh, learning how to calm ourselves. You know, calming is a skill, and I've said this to many, many people. It's sort of the core skill of life. If you can learn how to breathe, how to refocus, how to uh, calm your mind, how to pay attention to your body and your senses so that you get your feet grounded and your emotions down, we can handle most issues in life if we can learn that core skill.
Mm. Now, this is really good. So this is something that I think is super, super practical, what you're just talking about right there. Um, and something that has really been revolutionary in my life as well. I just, you know, a few weeks ago, I was walking through Costco and I was starting to experience anxiety as I was walking through Costco. Mm -hmm. And I and I had some of these skills, mm -hmm. you know, just paying attention to what's going on in my body and realizing it and and acknowledging it and going, OK, that's what's going on right now. And then slowly watching the anxiety kind of fade away. But I don't think I had those skills before, so I didn't know what to do in those moments. And I kind of my traditional thing would be just to squelch it or try to push it down. And that mm -hmm. doesn't work for, you know, for forever. So could you maybe give people some of those skills? Like, what does that look like practically? OK, that's I think a very basic one in the first thing that I would teach anybody and first responders get this training how to breathe. Deep, slow breathing. And you can inhale, hold the breath, count backwards, down, two, five, four, three, two, one, exhale, and then pause, and then take a very deep breath, hold it, count backwards so that you're sustaining that, exhale, wait. That Doing that, and they sometimes look at it as like a four square, you know, inhale one to two, and then you go down the square holding it, and then exhale across the bottom, and then the waiting, and then the inhale. Some, whatever um, image you might use, it might be the counting, but slowing down the breath. And what this does is actually a couple things. One, it buys you some time. It gets oxygen to your brain so you can think more clearly and helps you relax as you kind of drop your shoulders when you're exhaling. And that three times, you know, or more if you need to, we don't want to get hyperventilating, but those three times just really bring some relaxation and a focus. When we pay attention to our breathing, we're focused. We're listening to our breathing, and there's something about paying attention to what we feel, what we hear, you know, what's going on in our body that grounds us. And when we get our feet on the ground, so to speak, now we can look around and say, wow, I made it through that. I know how to do this. And the success of that, just calming yourself, you know, gives you some confidence and to say, oh, I know how to get out of Costco. I can... See, Costco's so overwhelming, and that's that can be a trigger. Overwhelming things in a store or in a crowd of people or traffic, you know, or uh, uh, you're on stage or whatever, just we can become overwhelmed with too much stimuli, and then our brain shuts down. And that's why the calming then gets that oxygen into the brain. Deep breathing allows us to relax. So... That would certainly be um, a primary thing, I say, because we can do that anywhere and we can do it immediately. We don't have to go someplace you know, to do that. But related to that, another one might be uh, picturing a, a, some calm setting. And sometimes we think about the, you know, the mountains or the lake or whatever, and oh, that's so. But sometimes just something simple like you walk in the door at home and your dog comes and greets you. Oh, you know, picturing things like that where we can focus, where we 
our body is experiencing different emotion is a way of of channeling, you know, moving the thoughts to in a different direction. What we think creates our feelings. So when you're in Costco and you're seeing all of this, maybe at some level your mind's saying, oh, my gosh, look at all this stuff. And it might just trigger that reaction. But positive thoughts, the dog greeting you at the door, you know, being on the lake in the kayak and just looking at the beauty, when we start to think about those things, our body responds. So there's that link between our mind and our body. So we, the mind generates the um, anxiety, but our body experiences it and will store it if we just squelch it. So I'm glad that you're, you have those tools, John, so you can work through that because when we just push anxiety down, we sort of, it builds in pressure. And after a while, it blows. And it might be a panic attack. It might be depression. It might be some uh, other stress-related thing in our body. But sooner or later, you know, we have to relieve that anxiety and better to do it in little bits, learn these skills, deep breathing, refocusing, grounding ourselves, and of course, some ongoing things, meditation, prayer, good exercise, even diet affects anxiety. You know, if we have less caffeine, you know, if we kids sometimes about have my coffee, I'm really wired, well... Uh, eating a, a good diet without caffeine, uh, with with less sugar, really helps maintain more uh, more balance in the body, and that's a deterrent to high anxiety. These are such uh, great practical tips uh, that we're getting into. And again, you're listening to Kathy Ellie, our guest here today on Why God, Why Am I So Anxious? Uh, Myself, Harry Gibbs, alongside Peter Engler and John Amayo. And and guys, I want to bring you back in to help transition uh, the second half of our conversation, which is ultimately when we're asking this question, why, God, why am I so anxious? And we're, we're speaking to our listener out there, uh, that is really confused as to why a God that w- we claim in our faith loves you unconditionally, has created you, why would he create such uh, an activity or an exercise as anxiety? And uh, what are our thoughts and how can we move our conversation and our our faith-based conversation uh, on anxiety and God's role within that? Well, let me let me take a stab at the first part of this. And Peter's going to always, he always comes up with a better answer than I do anyway. So I'll let him, I'll let him back clean up on this. But I think one of the things that Kathy said is really appropriate in this situation in that anxiety isn't necessarily a bad thing. Like we, we tend to want to put things all in the good box or the bad box. Anxiety can actually be a helpful tool for us to, to get us focused to get us moving in some regards. And so I think it isn't necessarily a bad thing, something for us to shun. Um, so I think what what becomes harmful is this chronic sense of anxiety that we carry around with us. And so although we can say God allows us to experience this chronic sense of anxiety, I think this this anxiety in a sense was created 
as a response mechanism by him so we can acknowledge that and hold intention at the same time that it isn't good for us to live that way of life. Um, I think he has a better way of life for us. You know, as Kathy was talking to, I, I started to think about this idea of mental framing and the way the Bible talks about that. Um, it, it, it's remarkably wise that that Paul tells us to focus on the things that are good and lovely and pure. And if anything is admirable, think about those things. I don't think that's by accident. I think that's because when we do that, it reframes the way that we think in our minds and it reframes our own interaction with the world around us. So I think, Kathy, what you were saying about that um, is true. Peter, I don't know what, how would you take on this? Man, um, I don't know. I don't know if I can back clean up after that great uh, one there, but you know, John, you were mentioning uh, the passage from Philippians four. You know, the first three passages that come to the come to my mind about anxiety. You have Philippians four, where Paul talks about. You know, we quote the first part, but you quoted the second part, which is so important. Which is, you know, we quote, "Don't be anxious," but the following part of that verse is even more important. It's but in everything in prayer and supplication, let your requests be known unto God. The second passage I'm thinking about is Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, don't be anxious about anything. And then he goes on to later say, seek him first. And the last one is in First Peter, where Peter doesn't even say don't be, he just says, cast all your cares upon God. And it's interesting, Kathy, what you brought up about reframing, and this is exactly what you said, John, is exactly what the Bible talks about. You know, I don't have a great answer to why we have anxiety, and it's probably the the same reason. Why do we have pain? Well, you know, we have pain for lots of different reasons, but if I didn't have pain and I stuck my finger into fire, I wouldn't know that I'm burning myself to death. And anxiety, it's kind of, instead of looking at it as a negative or positive thing, ultimately it, it's a message and I loved your, Kathy, your description about how there's so much going on internally. And in some ways, the Bible has more of a reality on the human nature than anywhere else, where where Jesus in his teachings and, and the writers of Scripture are actually saying this, hey, anxiety is going to happen, but where you take that is there. And, you know, Kathy, you were talking about breathing, you know, Rob and my wife talks to me about breathing and I don't get it. And that doesn't, I'm breathing right now, but like, I don't get like the whole inhale, exhale, but you know, I, I believe Eugene Peterson might've said something like this is that prayer is a form of breathing, you know? And I, I think about that and whether or not you follow Jesus or not, I think one of the number one apps on the iPhone is the, the mindfulness app. You know, there's all these apps that are talking about it. And the Bible is very, very crystal clear about this idea of reframing anxiety and responding to it differently. Um, I don't know, Kathy, what thoughts do you have? I was just thinking a little bit different direction. You know, the Bible talks has a lot of one another kinds of verses. And I think God wants relationship with us, but faith is also about relationship with other people. And I'm thinking one of the best antidotes to anxiety 
is good relationships. We need good friends. We need to be a friend to ourselves. We, um, when, when Scripture talks about carrying one another's burdens, I think the assumption is we're going to have burdens. You know, be anxious for nothing. I think the Scripture, the, uh, it, it's saying you are going to be anxious. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a directive about what to do with that. But I think because Christianity is about relationship. It's not just about rules. It's about relationship with, with God and with other people. Developing those relationships, friendships, confidants, uh, is another one of those great resources for working through uh, and problem solving, you know, when we feel anxious. That's a little different uh, direction than where you were going with that. Well, but I, I think it's still it's still huge. I mean, I'm pretty sure that we can Google, you know, John, you might have it on the top of your head that there's studies done that people that are in community with each other, they actually know what's going on, that they're going to be less anxious than people that are alone. And I think, you know, all of us to a certain extent, I, I don't care what decade you're in, you know, I, I think about my 20s and I experience high doses of anxiety. I wouldn't call it that then, but I also had the tightest groups of friends that I ever had too. So we were hanging out with each other three to four times a week. And, you know, I don't know how you navigate everything that's going on in the world with anxiety without a core group of people that are having a positive influence. I should say that. And uh, I don't know, John, you see this a lot on college campuses. Kathy, I think you bring up a great point. What thoughts do you have, John? Yeah, I mean, I, I see this as a huge deal. Um, I think we're getting more and more isolated as a society. I think people are becoming increasingly isolated. Lack of traditional friendships and strong friendships is a big thing right now. And so I think what ends up happening in my observation of this is anxiety tends to to build a sense of shame almost. So, so it ends up kind of becoming this vicious cycle in which you have people who aren't experiencing close relationships feel a sense of isolation, anxiety, shame for feeling this anxiety and so they don't feel like they can be around people as much so they so they remove themselves more from people so that it just keeps on building on itself um so i guess one of the questions that i would have for you kathy is say there's someone out there listening right now and and they're experiencing a sense of shame about their anxiety they're they're experiencing i i shouldn't feel this way um, and this is, you know, I can, if I just try a little harder, I can get myself out of this. Um, all by my, I can pick myself up by my bootstraps and I can figure this thing out. Um, what would you tell somebody in that situation? That's, that's a great question because anxiety gets in the way of, and shame that you mentioned gets in the way of talking openly, and yet that's the very thing we need. So we have to find courage someplace. <laughs> we have to find enough courage to be uh, willing to talk with a friend, uh, our pastor, our roommate, uh, maybe even a therapist, you know, and say something's not right. We have to 
take that first step to begin to tell somebody what's going on. You know, our culture is isolating, and over the last uh, number of years, more and more and more broken homes mean broken attachments, mean separation, mean anxiety. So there's a lot of anxiety that comes from the lack of being in a solid uh, environment, in a solid family. And, of course, we know statistically that's happened more and more. So I would say to anyone listening who feels unconnected or uh, there's something wrong with me, find the courage, whether you pray or, you know, get that from even cuddling with your dog, your, your pet or whatever, that where you can find some comfort and get the courage to talk with somebody. Uh, sometimes you can call in anonymously on shows, talk shows. I, that's a place to start. Get some advice there. Find out some resources in your area and then follow. Maybe someone you can't even see can give you a direction. But it's really important to to move toward other people. And uh, that's that's one of the big antidotes. Even if you don't feel like it, do something social. Get out there and and talk. And Kathy, we like to conclude every episode with our guest and uh, with the guys, uh, Peter and John, asking this final application question, which is, what does Jesus teach us about today's question about why, God, why am I so anxious? Yeah, I'll I'll start with that. And uh, Kathy, we'll actually give you the last word on this. So, um, man, it's my mother-in-law, so I might have to pay for that later. Um you know, again, I think that Jesus, Jesus is that safe teacher that's okay with with us experiencing anxiety and help us walk through it. You know, I think in our culture, you either wear anxiety as an excuse to get out of things or you hide it so that you don't ever have to show it. And Jesus just in very clear, gracious language says to us, like, anxiety is an opportunity to experience me. You know, and I think about that, the power of his teaching on anxiety. And the one thing that we miss, because we're not in the first century, some of our listeners here, you might be wondering when your next meal is going to come in or where you're going to live. And and I don't want to discount that, but I would think that many of us don't. When Jesus talks about that verse, there's people that if the crops don't, if there's no rain, they're worried about their next meal, you know, and almost as if they lived in a third world country, they were worried they wouldn't have enough clothes. And Jesus says it to them. And I just think of, you know, it's not about a matter of comparing us to the first century, because I think that we have very different um, fears but it is saying how timeless that message is to us of Jesus walking through. And even, you know, I'd, I'd stretch to even say this, that Jesus as a human experienced anxiety and walked through it in a number of different times. And we talk about Jesus's humanness, which I think is so vitally important, is that you're praying to someone who has experienced anxiety and has conquered it. And so I just think that that's powerful for us to think about. 
Yeah, totally agree. I I mean, as I think about this concept of anxiety with Jesus, my mind goes right to that same passage, Peter, where Jesus talks about he frames it in a way that is very accessible for us. I think for the people in the first century, for people in our century, he just he shows people nature and he says, hey, look at the flowers of the field. And he says, look at how beautiful they are. You know why? Because God created them that way. And he goes, okay, hold on. God loves you way more than he loves flowers in a field. So he reframes it for him. And he, and he says, look at the birds. Do they, do they need food? No, God gives them food every day. And if God gives them food, how much more is he going to give you food? Because he loves you. And, and it's all framed in this concept of his love for you and God's care for you. And that allows us then to kind of release some of that anxiety. Um, but it isn't on our own power. It isn't that we have to come up with it. Jesus isn't saying you need to just snap out of it. It's he's saying, I want you to be rooted in something else that's outside of you, that is that is above you, that is transcendent that um, is beyond your human capability to, to control. Experience that love and let that release you of the anxiety that you're experiencing. So that that's how I would um, frame what Jesus says about it. But I'm not the expert that Kathy Elliott is. So this is, you know, I get to hear her last word. Well, I'm not an expert on Jesus like you guys. <laughs> but I'm thinking of the... The uh, passage in John where Jesus said, I came to give you life more abundantly. I did not come to judge. And I think so often that judgment happens in the church and in Christianity. Jesus said, I came to give you life abundant. I came to give you a future. And he talks about the future that he's preparing for us. So he's giving us hope that there's more than the struggle of this life but even in the struggle of this life, he wants to be with us. And as you said, something, uh, he wants to be inside us so that we can deal with those other issues that are, are outside. His love, his presence, his um, community and communion with us um, is what can, can ground us when we're very aware of that. Our privilege as believers is to help share that good news so that uh, we say we're not necessarily witnessing about Christ's love to cure anxiety, and yet to talk about you can know that you're loved. You can hang on to that. You can breathe that in through prayer and your deep breathing and find um, that peace. That's, that's uh, part of, of what Jesus does for us, too. Kathy Elliott, owner of Kathy Elliott Counseling, thanks so much for joining us on today's episode of Why God Why. Thank you. It's been fun to talk with you guys. This has been Why God Why Am I So Anxious? If you have any questions you would like Peter, John, and myself to address in the future, or you'd just like to comment on today's show, please check us out at whygodwhypodcast.com. Thanks for listening.